Uh, all right, we're joined by Gordon Miller, who was in the building last night in Halifax, called the Golden Goal, the gold medal game uh, on TSN. TSN World Juniors, a play-by-play voice. What's going on, Gord? Did you make it back home safe and sound? Just landed in the car heading to uh, head home with a bag load of dirty clothes. <laughs> well, <laughs> my bag broke. My luggage finally broke. I've had this. I've had this suitcase for like twelve years, oh. and it finally this morning I tipped it up and it the, the broke. So. It was a good soldier for a long time. Been to a lot of places. Well, I guess it's time for a new one. Too bad uh, you should ask for it for Christmas. Now you got to go and get one yourself. Yeah. But uh, like last night, set the scene for me in the building. I mean, when that golden goal happens, Dylan Gunther scores. That place erupted. And then also, what was it like? You know, on the streets of Halifax. I assume they're probably still partying to this point in the day. Well, it was it was really something. I mean. Uh, we're upstairs in a in a broadcast booth that actually sways a little bit when the crowd goes off. And when when Canada scored the overtime goal, when Bedard scored the overtime goal against Slovakia, the crowd was so loud, loud there was dust coming off the rafters. It was like it was snowing. <laughs> um, so it was just insane in there. And yeah, you could hear the horns honking through the walls of the building uh, last night. It was really something. They really embraced it. You know, they took the thing on on short notice, right? I mean, the Russians were stripped of it. In the spring, they took it on in May, and you'd never know. They just they just stuck the landing. It was an incredible Halifax and Moncton, and really all over New Brunswick and Nova Scotia was really unbelievable. So we were just talking before you came on, Gord, about how you know a, a rink the size of that Halifax rink in a town that that is a junior hockey town and doesn't have the NHL. That is the spirit of this tournament, and that's ultimately where we feel it should be. Do you, is that realistic for us to say? Let's just keep it in junior towns from now on instead of going to Toronto or or, uh, Montreal or bigger cities that obviously could make Hockey Canada a bigger revenue chunk. I I don't agree with that. I I think, you know, Toronto in 2015 was outstanding. The crowds in Toronto in 2015 were excellent. One of the best World Juniors I've been to was in Ottawa in 2009. Um, Alberta in 2012 was enormous. Vancouver in 2019, even though Canada lost out in the quarterfinals, was really good. So, no, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I can see how it gets swollen up in Toronto a little bit, but everything gets swollen up in Toronto. Uh, yeah. But in 20, 2015, it was excellent. I mean, the crowd, that gold medal game crowd in Toronto was exceptional in, in 2015. So I, I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, I, I like it when it goes to places like this. And I, don't want them, I don't want to see them take it out of the rotation. Canada's got it again in 2025 and 27, um, and then again in 30. So, I, I mean, I, yeah, I spread out a little bit, but... It, there's nothing wrong with going to NHL markets. I mean, Winnipeg had a great World Junior in uh, in the old building in '99. I mean, they're certainly entitled to have one. So I wouldn't rule NHL markets out of it. Uh, in conversation with Gordon Miller, TSN World Junior play-by-play voice, uh, he was in the building last night and uh, in the building for all of Canada's games, and it was the Bedard show for most sure. of the tournament. Um, I mean, 17 years old, nine goals, uh, 23 points uh, for a kid who's draft eligible, uh, broke many, many records. I mean, was that the most dominant and maybe best performance by a Canadian at, at any double IHF event in its program? Program history and I mean for you did this tournament move Bedard into that generational category? Well, I think I'd be careful talking about you know all time by anyone because there's been a lot of great performances at various levels over the years. I think the thing about the World Junior is is that you're comparing him with Lindros and 
you know, Eberly for Canada and Forsberg and others, they were all 19 when they put up those numbers. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's 17 years old. Yeah. I, so you're getting into Yarmir Yager was a 17-year-old, Robert Reichel, um, who, who had some of the greatest performances as 17-year-olds in that tournament. Um, I, I'd be careful to anoint anyone as a generational player just yet. He's really good. He's going to be. A, I think he's going to be a star in the NHL. Um, but you know, he's 17. Let's just give him some time here. And uh, but I mean, he's electrifying. Like the, that shot is world class. That's that's Joe Sakic's release. Maybe maybe a titch better with the stick technology now. Mm-hmm. And and uh, he's got a he's got vision in his game. He's got a bit of edge in it. Um, he's really he's built really solidly. So you know, the five nine doesn't bug you. Um, he's got whoever gets for the first overall pick is going to be very happy with it. It's funny that everyone's talking about you know fall hard for Bedard or whatever you want to call it, but. <laughs> You know, even if you finish last, you only have a twenty-five percent chance of getting the first pick. I know, but it seems so, so worth it just for that chance for some of these teams. Well, it's, it's funny too because Adam Fantilli's a really good player, and he'll probably go second. Yeah, and and he, he was overshadowed by Bedard. But if you take Bedard out of the equation, Fantilli's World Junior as a seventeen-year-old was really strong. Mm-hmm. He played really well. I mean, seventeen-year-olds rarely, rarely play a big role at the World Junior Championship, and and so. You know, it's really interesting to see him in that circumstance. Fantilli as well plays so well because it's it's not common. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the draft in general. Like, you've got Shala, who had a great tournament. He's going to be there. Leo Carlson had a good tournament. He's going to be there as well. Fantilli, Bedard. So even if you miss out on Bedard, there's some pretty good consolation well, Dalibor, prizes. Dalibor Dvorsky from Slovakia looks like yeah. a real good center. He he cleaned out the Canadian centers in that quarterfinal game. Like, he, mm-hmm. he cleaned out Stanko, who was the top faceoff man of the tournament. Right. Uh, Gauthier, like, he was, he was terrific. And he's 17. I was just joking about it too. Like last night on the broadcast ahead of the game, they showed uh, a feature, a feature on Connor Bedard and how when he broke his wrist, he couldn't play hockey. Uh, but he said, "No, I'm just not going to play with my right hand," and it allowed him to develop that shot. And I jokingly like said this: "I wonder how many kids are going to take a hammer to their wrist just so that they could become like Bedard and try and you know use their left and become so strong." Um, the kid's just an unbelievable talent, and the story. Uh, of how he became what he became was also uh, incredible. But for, for me, what I found outstanding about the final, at, you know, the game last night was it wasn't the Bedard show. Like you came into the tournament, I guess, um, calling this team the most explosive team Canada that they have ever been, and they really played as a team the last couple of games, and it was a team effort to win the gold. Now that the tournament is over, I mean, where does this group rank amongst the best Team Canada's uh, teams that, that you've seen play that they've sent? Well, I, I said before the tournament, they had a chance to be one of the, the, one of the most dominant teams that we've ever seen. And, we, you know, we've seen some really good ones. Um, you know, 2005, you, if you look back, that's Crosby, Bergeron, Perry, uh, Getzlaff, Richards, Carter, Enough Weber. I mean, that's you know, five of those five of those guys from that team played in the Olympics five years later. Uh, the 08 team with uh, Tavares as an underage, Giroux, um, that group, Stamkos. Um, 20, the 2015 team in Toronto never allowed a tying goal. Wow! They never trailed in the tournament, and no one ever tied them. And that's that's McDavid and company. Crazy. Um, I, I think we'll look back at this group. I mean, part of the problem is you, you, you know you, you take it sort of. 
within the context of the NHL. And, and you, know, you look back at the names like I just did. But, you know, the 94-95 team in Red Deer, um, Jeff O'Neill pointed out last night, none of those players went on to win a Stanley Cup. But they were dominant that year, too. Uh, they won every game in a lockout year. So I, I think, I guess we look back on it judged by, by NHL talent how good the team was, which probably isn't fair because there's a lot of guys. Like If you think back at that old 5 team in Grand Forks, which is probably the greatest Canadian team, um, six of those guys had really no measurable career in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Neither, neither goalie, uh, Jeff Glass or Rajon Boschman, played much at all in the NHL. Uh, two of the defensemen, Sean Bell and uh, Danny Savret, didn't really play in the league. And, and uh, Jeremy Collin and Stephen Dixon. You know, so that's, that's a lockout year. That's, that's 20 of the best players in that age group in Canada, and six of them. So a quarter of the team, or better than a quarter of the team, really had no measurable NHL career. So for a lot of yeah. these guys, this will be the highlight of their hockey career. Well, you know, speaking to that, about the, the jump that is the jump from junior to the NHL, Gord, obviously it's been a tough one for Shane Wright this season. Didn't play much in uh, the opening handful of games he was uh, given with the Seattle Kraken. So he comes to the World Junior Championship. And, you know, in many of the games, maybe you could call him a bit of a a bit of a nondescript force, but certainly last night, you know, unreals a goal uh, that we'll all remember—a beautiful backhand uh, stinger that uh, that caught the Czech goalie unaware. Uh, what did you make of Wright's performance? Obviously, reassigned to play with the Kingston Frontenacs today by the Kraken, widely expected to be traded. But do you think maybe this will give him the jolt of confidence he needs to uh, continue on in his career in the fashion a lot of people expected? So I'm not sure where this all comes from about Shane Wright struggling. Like, he had, he had 31 goals in the in the O last year, 90 points, yeah. as an underage in the best, you know, probably the best junior league in the world. Um, you know, goes to the NHL at 18, um, you know, scored one goal, but went to, went to the American League, I think, four goals in five games. Um, he was very good in, in Halifax. He was... He was great both ways. I guess if he's not putting up Bedard-type numbers, I guess you're making that comparison. I, I, Shane, Shane Wright's a right-handed centerman. He's big. He's got good hockey sense. I, I don't see anything wrong with him going back to junior this year. I, I wish Montreal left Slavkovsky in Finland this year. And I'm, yeah. I'm, one who, I'm one who advises teams to go slow with players. You know, Simon Nemetz, the second pick of the draft, has been in the American League all year for – for New Jersey, and no one's saying he's having an off year, right? Somebody, Logan Cooley's the third pick in that draft. No one's saying, you know, that he's a, he's having a bad year because he's, he's in college Correct. And, and not playing in the NHL. Like I, yeah, but the only thing, Gord, the only thing is this guy was the presumptive number one pick last year, and then he becomes the fourth overall pick. And I, th- right. I guess people, maybe we overhyped him early. Maybe maybe that's the case here, and maybe he's on a, a track that's correct. But, there, you know, there were expectations that maybe he hasn't met. I guess, but I, I don't know what, I mean, Owen Power is going to be a great defenseman in the NHL for 20 years, right? No he's, doubt. He's terrific. He went back to college as an 18-year-old. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think that maybe, maybe it's the hype around Shane Wright, but I can tell you, seeing him on the ice and behind the scenes, he's a high-character guy. Um, he's a really reliable, good player at this age with offensive upside. And so... You know, is he going to be a 50-goal guy? Maybe not. But, you know, Jonathan Taves has made a really good career for himself. And I'm, I'm not comparing the two, but Jonathan Taves has made a real good career for himself, not scoring 40 goals or getting 90 points. Yeah. 
three Stanley you Cups know, like, will do it, yeah. <laughs> right, like, I, I don't know that, I, I guess because, you know, part of the thing is Wright was named an exceptional player in the OHL. Yeah. Right. So you get you get thrown in that bucket. But, you know, he, I, I had no issues with how he played, and I, I have no issues with going back to junior. I, I you know, I, but I'm the guy, I, I preach patience with prospects. It's, you know, there's a reason the NFL doesn't allow teenagers to play in it. Right? Yes. Can you imagine the NFL let teenagers play? I mean, it would be unconscionable. Well, the NHL is a high-contact sport, which, which borders on violent at times. Yep. And it's not for the faint of heart, and it's not for kids, for the most part. You know, the, the Sidney Crosbys and guys like that. But there's lots of examples of 18-year-olds who went on to become superstars not having big years. Joe Thornton wasn't exactly lights out as, as an 18-year-old. Stan, remember, remember the you know the, the talk about Stamkos early his first year. Yeah, yeah. So for sure, you know, give, give them time. I mean, for every Matthews McDavid that, that comes on as an eighteen year old, there's ten that don't. And and I think that Seattle. I mean, first of all, Seattle will now have Shane Wright as a twenty six year old, right? Because the first year of his rookie contract hasn't kicked in. Well, I'd much rather have a guy twenty six than eighteen. Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts, and and when you talk about. Almost the complete opposite is a guy like Thomas Millich, who there wasn't much hype through. Right. I mean, the guy went undrafted um, twice. <laughs> twice and then became a gold medalist for Team Canada and played exceptional in the semifinal and in the final. Lots of question marks were around goaltending going into Halifax and ends up finishing the tournament with a 176 goals against and a 932 save percentage. I mean, what a story that he turned out to be these past couple of weeks. Yeah. If- and if you've got it figured out, you'll make a lot of money in the NHL because they've got no handle on it either. Like, if, <laughs> it, it, like if, honestly, like, how can you possibly figure out what's going on with NHL goalies uh, this year? Like, did you have Matt Murray being among the league leaders in save percentage? You know, did you? I mean, it, it's just incredible. Or Lena Solmark but, literally being at the top of every category. Right. Like, I mean, and, and the guys that were great last year being no good this year. Like, it, you know, Shesterkin struggling. Like, I mean, Shesterkin was third in the MVP voting last year. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's such a strange position. It's confidence is such a big part of it. Who's playing in front of you is a big part of it. Like, look at the two goals that, that Miller gave up last night. One goes off the post and bounces right to a guy who taps it in the empty net. And the other is going 10 feet wide, goes off the Canadian defenseman skate net. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I mean, it's imp- I just it's amazing to me. So it's hard enough to figure out 18-year-old skaters. Like, it's hard to project what an 18-year-old skater is going to be like when he's 23. Mm-hmm. Goalies? I mean, good luck with it. Because I, yeah. I, I, I have no, I mean, look at all the years of, you know, Canadian goaltending at the World Junior. Guys who have won exactly Kali in 2015 was really good. Yeah. You know, he's played like four NHL games. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, Marty Bordeaux and Patrick Waugh got cut from Canadian Junior teams. Right. No, no doubt about it. Hey, Gord, you know, so you're going to be getting back to the NHL grind shortly. I, I'm wondering, what did you make of uh, the National Hockey League releasing its all-star teams in the midst of the cauldron of the World Junior Gold Medal game yesterday? Uh, doesn't bother me. You know what? They, schedule, they try to schedule the, the Canadian NHL teams up against the Gold Medal game of the tournament every year. They do this stuff. It's fine. It, it won't affect, I mean... We put up a monster number for the semifinal of another monster number for last night. I mean, it's kind of, I find it kind of funny that they do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I kind of joke with, with the guys in the league about, you know, like you keep throwing these Canadian teams up against the gold medal game and it keeps getting flattened. Like, 
when are you going to figure it out? Oh, I agree. I, I, that was, know, like, we, I, I don't think the Canadian teams are happy about being up against it. It doesn't help their television ratings at all. Right? No. no, absolutely not. I mean, that was part of my goes. We do stay or go after every game, and one was don't schedule Leaf games to rival a Canadian gold medal game. Like, it's just not going to do well. And I want to be able to watch both. And uh, right. last night so you had to kind of... So, so your sponsors aren't happy, your teams aren't happy, but they, you know, I mean, we see it with the World Cup too, right? The NHL doesn't, in their view of the Olympics and the World Championship, the NHL doesn't like hockey events that they have no control over. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially if they're popular. Because they get no money out of it, right? Fair point. Now, I would argue, I would argue that Connor Bedard is going to arrive in the NHL as a known commodity, and the World Junior Championship is a big part of that. Yes. And so, why don't you work with them instead of against them? But you know, I mean, it's kind of how they operate, right? With the Olympics and stuff. I mean, yeah, I, I, I mystified. You know, my friend Simon Semberg used to be with the IHF. He's now with the European Hockey Club. Alliance. He makes a great point. If Lionel Messi walked down the street of any North American city, he'd be mobbed. Yeah. Yeah. Because soccer makes sure that its best players play in big international events. Now, they, they keep their big guys on the Olympics. I get that. But the World Cup is a real World Cup. And, and so the NHL, since 2014, has operated largely in darkness in Europe. Connor McDavid could walk down the streets of Stockholm, Helsinki, and probably not be recognized. Yeah. No one's seen it. No one's seen him at the Olympics. They haven't seen him at the, you know, they don't see him at the Olympics. There hasn't been a World Cup. I mean, the lack of exposure internationally hurts hockey's ability to grow itself. So I, I wish the NHL would work with international groups instead of against them, but that's kind of the way it's been. And, and they, they want the biggest cut of the pie. Well, we'll see. Maybe you know, at some point, I know there was some discussions yesterday. Duthie had the uh, conversation with the Double IHF president uh, Luke Tardif, and you know he yeah, was a little lukewarm on a February, you know, World Cup tournament. But uh, we'll because see what comes of it. It's not a real World Cup. Yeah, it's not a real. It's not, like it's not. And, and you know, I mean, look, there's going to be issues with Russia going forward. I mean, it's going to be years before Russia is admitted by any international sanctioning body, right? By FIFA, the, the IHF, basketball. It's going to be years before those teams are admitted. And the NHL's postponing of the World Cup was seen by a lot of people as cynical as waiting for the war in Ukraine to end so they could put a Russian team in the World Cup. Right. But, but that may not be sanctioned by the IHF. Now, the IHF doesn't have anything to do with the NHL World Cup. I mean, the, the last one with those, you know, the North American team and the Team Europe, you know... They, International hockey, by definition, should involve nations. Right. <laughs> yes, I agree. Like, yes. That's, that's kind of, as, a, as a baseline, I mean, I've always thought, what would have happened if Connor McDavid had scored the overtime winner to knock Canada out in the World Cup, or Austin <laughs> Matthews had scored to knock the U.S. out? Like, exactly. how are they supposed to feel about that? Yeah. I mean, it almost happened. <laughs> like those young Could stars have. were a pesky bunch. Yeah. I mean, it almost what? happened. It was. Uh, it, it was. It, I mean. Everybody knows that uh, fans and players, everyone wants the best on best international hockey. Like you mentioned, we've been robbed of it now for almost a decade. It's been eight years since 2014 um, in Sochi. So everybody wants it, but uh, when we get it, that's we don't know. Hopefully, it comes Who sooner rather than money? later. Yeah. Who gets the money? That's the big 
issue it. And strangely enough, like you look at soccer, right? I mean, th- their players are allowed to leave for international breaks. Their best players play in all these competitions like the Champions League and everything else. You know, now they get the money from that, but they don't get money as much money from the World Cup. But it's good for their brand. And well, I, you know, I've said, I say this all the time to the NHL guys: the largest corporations in the world spend billions of dollars to be associated with the Olympics. There must be some value to it. Yeah, and as yes. you, it's it's a micro versus macro viewpoint. Like, the, I feel like maybe the NHL looks at it as, oh, it's a burden on our season for this two weeks, but it could really strengthen and grow the game long term, and that really would lie in the pockets of the NHL and its owners. It's almost like it just the big picture just isn't there for some people for whatever reason. But yeah. uh, I'll get off my soapbox on that. Uh, I appreciate uh, you, you calling in after a busy couple of weeks here, Gord, and uh, we'll chat again with you real soon. We'll see a Sunday night from Philadelphia. At least Flyers. Absolutely. Thanks, Gord. (laughs) All right.